San Diego Comic-Con 2019. We are sitting here with Brian Hochweiss, the executive producer of The Toys That Made Us and soon The Movies That Made Us. That's right. You know, Newsflash. Congratulations on all your success. Thank Season you. Three has been announced, but the dates have not yet. That is correct. So we can't give you that number just yet, but I promise you by the time we publish this, the names will already be out and you guys will yell at us anyway. <laughs> Brian, The Toys That Made Us has been such a hit. And it's a you know nostalgia is the name of the game right now. Everybody's riding that nostalgia train really high, especially on the convention floor. Uh, remaking of toys, reissuing old style toys, you know whatever else. What was the toy when you were six years old that you just could not put down? Like if you took it to church, you had you know your parents were like get it out of his hands. You know you got it taken away by the teachers at school. What was that one piece that set everything? Up? Millennium Falcon. Yeah. It was, uh, like, nothing will come close to it ever. I mean, if I got a Lamborghini tomorrow, it would be nothing compared to getting that $19 Millennium Falcon, 79 uh, Millennium Falcon. $19 in 1979, that put it at, like, $82 today. <laughs> About 50 but yeah. 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 Um, Star Wars is a key factor. Rise of Skywalker is coming. So that, or Rise of the Skywalker is coming, that's going to be a big deal for, for Disney. Have you seen the Millennium Falcon at Disneyland yet? I have not. I have not. I'm wa- they have another ride opening that everyone seems to forget about, and I think it would be crazy to go there when half the rides aren't open. So I think it's opening in about a month. I think they said Christmas time. Oh, is it that? Then I will go in January. Yeah. Because they want it to coincide with the movie. Because Got it. Okay. Got it. Then I will go in January. The show itself has put all of us on the nostalgia train. We're all in the dining car at the same time because, you know, nobody watches TV without eating anymore. That's right. Uh, what's it like for you to have the success of this series and just, like... Because you can't rest on your laurels, obviously. It's always what's next. Sure. That's yeah. absolutely right. But the show, when the show is greenlit and for it to evolve the way it has over two seasons... You know, what are some of the pitfalls that you now avoid that, you know, going into season three that you face with season two or season one? Um, I, I don't think there's any pitfalls that we're trying to avoid because we were very blessed in that I had a great crew and we really didn't have, fall into too many holes. Uh, something that has changed drastically is we went from having to try to convince Mattel and Hasbro that we were legit because a lot of people lie, and they're like, oh, I'm making a documentary for HBO, and they're lying, uh, to them being very, like, we've had multiple brands now be very aggressive about make sure you cover this in season four. So, yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't blame them for sitting there with somebody coming up going, we're making a documentary. By the way, that original 1984 Optimus Prime that you have in one of those back rooms, could we open up two boxes for the... Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, Matchbox has been a huge thing. You know, uh, uh, Hot Wheels. Everybody's here now. Mattel's downstairs, right across the walkway from Lego, and, and all this stuff. And Lego's celebrating their 50th anniversary yeah, this sure. year, uh, along with the Apollo Moon landing, the 50th anniversary of, of Comic Con. On top of everything, what's it like having grown up? Because essentially, you and I were in the toy chest. You know, no one, no one picked on me because I was on the wrestling team. And, you know, I was, I was a swimmer, and I was on the track team and whatever else, so, you know, no one wanted to get suplexed. But we were essentially in the toy closet, and now, like, Pandora's box, it's open, 
and we can't it's even walk thing. on the floor. What's yeah. that like for you? I, I mean, I literally, I mean, it's 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 like, I mean, it, calling it surreal isn't strong enough. It is. I, I mean, I see these things, and I, I just can't believe it. I don't know if you saw Haslab's Unicron that they just really like. What? Yeah. Like it's like two feet in diameter. Like I mean, it's. Uh, I actually ordered it. I have to tell you this. Actually, I've already ordered it. I saw a picture in the Haslab pictures. There's really nothing to give it a sense of scale. I saw a picture yesterday of what it really looks like. I have no room for that. I mean, it's literally like I don't even think it's two. I think it's like three feet wide. I mean, what am I gonna do with that? Yeah. Now, your mom probably yelled at you. Pick up your toys. Put your toys away. Can I sell this at the garage sale? And now you've made your living off of toys. Yeah. Do you get to call mom and go, guess what? You know, look at me now with with my toy collection. My mom actually threw out all my toys. So, uh, yeah. So, um, I don't make that phone call uh, because uh, I'm sure she would have an explanation that I would not like to hear. So, we'll leave it at that. Maybe a little diplomatic in my old age. Okay. But now as an adult who's married, what does your spouse have to say about the toy collection and its expansion in the house? My, my spouse, uh, Sheila, uh, has a very interesting point of view on this. Um, she basically has two philosophies uh, that are, one, uh, she doesn't have to work, so she gives me a lot of respect that I make enough money for her not to work. That's half of it. The other half, I don't come home at 3 in the morning with my face full of glitter. And uh, she, uh, she assigns a lot of value to that as well. So uh, she definitely, uh, I, I, I think she does find this. And i got to tell you, we've been together 10 years. I am way more into it now than I was 10 years ago. Uh, by the way, making a show about toys is a great way to feed your addiction uh, to toy collecting. And the tax write-off itself. There's no tax write-off. There's a whole, whole uh, uh, mirage that is not uh, uh, what's it called, uh, uh, old wives' tale or whatever. Well, these aren't the toys. That, your personal toys aren't the ones that are featured in the series, is what you're saying. I mean, some of them are, but it's still it's not a write-off. You can't tell the government, hey, I uh, bought this and I can do. Yeah, yeah, that does. It does not work that way. It's a background. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a great way to get audited. So if you want to watch the audits that made us. Uh, to, to see an idiot who, to save 300 bucks on his tax returns, got audited for six years. Uh, uh, that, I'd, I'd probably be the pilot episode. <laughs> That's the ID channel. That's right. It's a very boring uh, Sunday night on the ID channel. The audits that made us. <laughs> uh, you also, you know, you're also starting the movies that made us. Yes. Um, you know, I heard that you were talking about Dirty Dancing, and Dirty Dancing is the equivalent to Star Wars yes. and females. Uh, Patrick Swayze documentary is coming out from Paramount about his life, his life and his legacy. What is it for you to feature, you know, Dirty Dancing shortly after the 30th anniversary of this film in your series, and why is this movie so important to you? Listen, I'm going to be real honest with you, as I always am. Uh, I don't know anything about anniversaries. We didn't pick. Like, I, I don't understand why. Like, who cares? Like, I get 50 years going to the moon. I get that. Um, who cares? It came out there. Like, who cares? I understand if you're in the marketing department and you need, like, 
don't think the public is like, oh, 30 years, dirty dancing. I, that's my opinion. I could be completely wrong about that. Um, but I don't think anyone cares about anniversaries. Um, for stuff like that. Was that? It looks good on the box. Yeah, and it's a great excuse to talk about it. An excuse in a good way. But I don't think the public is, again, the moon landing, you could be like, wow, that was almost half, that was half a century ago, so the 50 means something. We also went to the moon, something that never happened before, over four million years, hasn't happened since. So I get that. But yeah, celebrating, I don't know. That's my opinion on anniversaries. Uh, And the public, by the way. Um, like, I love RoboCop. Yesterday was, I think, the 20th anniversary or 7th. I don't know. It was a big anniversary for RoboCop. You'll never meet a bigger RoboCop fan than me, ever. I don't care. It's the anniversary. <laughs> like, who cares? Like, I don't care. Uh, so that's half the answer. The other half of the answer is, it's a great story. I mean, it is... It is... It, I don't know if you remember Vestron at all, but, like, the way... The way the Star Wars episode of Toys That Made Us is about Star Wars, but it's also about Kenner. Vestron was this unbelievably interesting company that VHS was really 99.9% of VHS was about porn. Like, if you wanted to watch porn, you had a VCR. Like, no one else had VCRs. Vestron was the company that was like, you know, a lot of people have bought VCRs for porn. You could put other things in the VCR that aren't porn. So Vestron went to all the studios, made that argument, and got them to uh, go along with it. And that's what created the video market. All of these contracts were three to five years. So once the money started pouring in, when the contracts ended, Vestron was able to be like, or sorry, the Warner Brothers, for example, would be like, well... Thank you for the great idea. The contract's up. We're going to do it ourselves. So Vestron had all this infrastructure and this network and everything, but no more product. So that's why they greenlit. That's why they were like, let's just make our own movies. The first thing they greenlit was Dirty Dancing. To this day, it's in the top five most profitable movies ever made. They made about 40 more movies. Every single one of them bombed. Every one. Yeah. Now, I have to ask you this, as you brought up porn and VCRs. Yeah. Uh, we're going to go back to toys with this. Not that they're connected in this regard, but why were we so able in the 1980s to take rated R property films, like RoboCop and Rambo and all these features, and turn them into kids' toy lines? And how did that become so successful for children and the fact that our parents bought us Rambo with a flamethrower? Right. Or RoboCop and then the RoboCop, you know... Well, the Rambo toys failed tremendously. I mean, they were a one-year toy disaster. I even remember being a kid, like a $29 thing, going, or not 29 but like a $19 thing for 99 cents. Revolutionary toys, by the way. I mean, the detail in the revolution... Huge disaster. RoboCop, I don't know if you remember or not, RoboCop had a series that was for kids. Not just a cartoon. There was also a series that shot in Canada that was all for kids. Uh, That is what allowed it to become a toy. And I would argue people just forgot it was based on the most violent movie ever made. (laughs) 
But Rambo was a cartoon as well for a little bit. Yes, exactly. So, so it's interesting to see the rated R movies transition to toys. Is this going to be yeah. an episode at some point in season three? Season I would love it to be. I mean, I'd spend the rest of my career doing shit on Robocop if I could. <laughs> I mean, I'd, yeah. yeah. Uh, Brian, what can we expect a little bit from um, you know, the movies that made us and season three as teasers for the audience? Uh, so movies that made us, you know, we got Home Alone, we got Die Hard, we got, um, I'm so bad with lists, um, we got um, Ghostbusters and Dirty Dancing. Uh, and then Toys, we got My Little Pony, um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers, and Wrestling Toys. Brian, the toys that made us, the movies that made us, Netflix, we're looking forward to season three, can't wait for that. Um, also, before I let you go, I got to interview Peter Wellers once, and it took every ounce of my being not to call him Dr. Robocop when I found out he had his PhD That's in, in uh, Renaissance architecture. Once you hit stop, I'll respond to your uh, point. But uh, that's a great story. Awesome. Brian, thank you so much. Thank you.